Hey. Welcome. I. Hmm, hang on. Yeah, no, that'll do. I was going to restart that because there was a weird pause there for no reason, but I shan't. Okay, here's my concerns for this show. I have one main, I won't say anxiety, but there is one thing about this episode that I'm, that, that, that I'm worried about, and that is I'm going to be sharing with you why this week has been difficult in terms of me feeling like an outsider. Time and time and time again, this week I felt like an outsider, and... As I share these stories with you, a casual observer would listen to these incidents and think, oh, look at CK looking for looking for attention, sympathy and pity. Trouble is, if you knew anything about me, you'd probably appreciate that sympathy from the general populace, I can think of a few more insipid concepts. I don't desire sympathy. But it's just regrettable that this week I have nothing else to talk to you about other than the fact I felt like an outsider repeatedly. So I'm just going to do that. But be mindful that I'm telling you these not seeking sympathy just due to the scant nature of this week's episode. Okay, so, you know, there's a chance you might be, oh, look at CK. You might even want to pinch my cheeks for comfort, but there's no need. I'm just going to tell you why this week I felt like an outsider because we have to talk about something. I don't know how breathy I just sounded in that opening, but I realised that I probably sounded very breathy because I ran upstairs seconds before pressing record. So if you thought, like, is he just... If it sounded like I just had a quickie, I haven't. But there's no chance you were thinking that, especially if you listen to this show. Because um, some of you seem to think, CK, you talk about you talk about intercourse a lot. Like, what's going on, dude? Or what isn't going on? <laughs> more critically <laughs> so yeah i don't know how how breathy i sounded earlier on but i had to run downstairs to get my water because i don't like to do this show without some liquid close to hand it is now half past 10 in the evening thursday the 15th of october 2020 how are you tell me about your week has it had anything of note I'm, I wonder, I tell you, I tell you, these, these weeks are just flying by. I don't know whether it's because I'm not doing a great deal other than obsessing over the book that I'm writing. I am doing very little else. So I think that isn't helping. I think, I don't think I know that I need, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but this opening has actually just taken me unexpectedly down this little walkway. I think I need a hobby of some description. I, that, yeah, I do that. Actually, this wasn't planned. Actually, I'm going to do this now. This is this is weird. I, I knew this show was going to be weird before I even started. I'm going to do the first ever unplanned edition of of what's it called again? Oh yeah, CK's crummy book. CK's crummy book. It's like a journal, but shitter. So CK's crummy book is a recurring feature here on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, by the way, for my new listener. If that's you, I'm CK, and this is to worry about it later. Well, oh, this and there was something about this episode that I had concerns about, and already I've stumbled over my own tongue three times. 
This is the Worry About It Later podcast. I'm CK and every week I talk honestly about stuff we all think about. That's basically what this podcast is. There's no theme per se. It's just you and I hanging out, talking and exchanging ideas. Now, the feature CK's crummy book is basically a book I have where I document thoughts when I'm watching YouTube videos or listening to podcasts or watching documentaries. If somebody says something which I consider to be wise, insightful, or just full of sage, I'll write it in this book and I will reflect on it and return to it on an ongoing basis with a view to motivating, inspiring me and galvanizing me. And just a moment ago, I went down a caveat that I hadn't planned. If I showed you the running order for today, I always have a very loose running order of things to talk about because my mind is naturally abstract. And if I don't have that, I'll just blow off course. If I showed you the order for today, you would notice there is no reference to CK's crummy book because I didn't plan to have one. But then I started talking about how my week has been sparse, mainly because all I've been doing is focusing on the book and I don't have anything else in my life. And it immediately reminded me of an entry that I put in this CK's crummy book weeks ago. I probably wrote this about two months ago, to be honest. And once again, this guy is... The, the, my, my CK's crummy book is littered with this guy. And in fact... He was my he was my entry last week when I did this. It's Joe Rogan, once again, the biggest podcaster in the world and stand-up comedian and former professional fighter person. And it's just reminded me when I was saying that earlier on, this is something I wrote in here, which has been something that's I've said something about three times. Is anyone still there? <laughs> if I was listening to this shower of shit, I'd have yeah, I'd have gone and put Netflix on a long time ago. So Joe Rogan once said during his podcast, and I wrote it straight down because it made a lot of sense to me and it really spoke to me as a human. He said, whatever you do and love doing for a living, have another thing. So in the context of Joe Rogan, what he meant by that is he's a stand-up comedian and a podcaster, but outside of stand-up comedy and podcasting, and he's huge in both, like... I should have to think about his bank balance. He's a very wealthy man. He's just signed a $100 million exclusive deal with Spotify for his podcast. $100 million, That's nine zeros, friends, right? So he's a very successful man. And he says, whatever you do for a living, have something else. So Joe's into hunting. He goes hunting for elk. <laughs> he's very bizarre. He's obsessed with hunting and he's obsessed with elk. He's massively into his fitness, which arguably is an extension of what he did professionally. So I'll, I'll, I'm not going to count that one. But he he reads a shitload. I do have a bit of a man crush on him, but my, it doesn't matter what he does. You get the gist. Whatever you do for a living or for even like just have something else. So, you know, um, even if the thing you love doing isn't your living as such like me. So I, I'm a creator, I'm a filmmaker, I'm a documentary maker, but it's not my source of funds. But that is where all my attention has always been. There's no outside thing. The only hobbies I can I remember ever having, I'm thinking now what hobbies have I had? Um, there was radio, but that doesn't count either because that was something I was pursuing. Like I wanted to become a radio presenter and I eventually became a radio presenter. But I'm thinking, what have I ever done with no desire to turn it into a thing? What have I ever done just for the sake of doing it? The only thing I can think of that, I've, that ever has ever ticked that box is kickboxing when I was, I think, late teens. I think I started it about 18, packed it in about 20, 
22? No, maybe 23. So I think I did kickbox for like three years. And weirdly, the reason I actually ended that is worrying. So the reason I ended that was because it was like, well, where's this going? Because I knew I never wanted to do it professionally. I never wanted to compete. Uh, so I thought, well, I'll just pack it in. Uh, despite the fact I enjoyed it, I got very good at it. I just packed it in after four years. Occasionally, like every three or four or five years, I'll think back, imagine how good you'd be now. Because I was, I, was, I was great. I loved it so much. I'd practice at home and I'd teach myself. I was inspired by Street Fighter characters that I was, I tried to perfect my jump spinning kicks and I got very good at them. There's a picture somewhere. <laughs> There's a picture somewhere. I might have to tweet it for you, actually. Uh, I might tweet it. I might not. We'll see. Um, there's a picture of me in my garden wearing a Jason Voorhees hockey mask because around the time I was doing it, I was obsessed with the Friday the 13th and Michael Ma- um, Halloween films. There's a picture of me wearing a Jason Voorhees hockey mask in my garden dark wearing my Reebok classic trainers I don't know why that's important but it just it's just the first thing I remember about this photo doing a side kick that is perfect it's like the highest kick it's not I don't know if this makes sense to anybody but a side right okay if, if you're into martial arts and you do like high kicks you better make sure that your leg is perfectly straight otherwise you just look like an amateur not only that, you want to get some height and elevation just for the bragging rights. So I'm doing this sidekick, which is perfect in every conceivable way. My head is about two feet high. My foot is about two feet higher than my head. Full leg extension, no bend, perfect straight. Like, perfect straight. And, you know, I never did this, but... It's the kind of picture that if there was never any, if, if I didn't have nearby porn, I might have used that picture to please myself. <laughs> I never did. And I'd be worried if I did. But I do love that picture. I'm very proud of that picture. And it's one of the reasons that I sometimes think back if, I, if I'd have carried it on. Like, that's, that's almost 20 years ago that you stopped doing that, dude. You'd be a beast by now. You'd be a beast. So that picture does make me happy. And I know exactly where it is, so I might have to fish it out and tweet it, or I don't know. If I get enough people asking for the sidekick, then all right, I'm gonna. If I have three people, all right, let's make a deal. Right, this is just so. This is very self-serving because this is my this is market research for me. Like, who's listening and who knows where I am on social? If three people tweet or DM or Instagram or Facebook message me saying we want to see the hockey mask karate kick, show us your shit then I will. So I need at least three human beings. Otherwise, no picture. Wow. Most self-serving thing I've ever done. (laughs) Oh, you now need to consider whether or not your desire to see that picture is merits making me feel good about myself and succumbing to my underhand tactics to see who's listening and who cares and who knows where I am online. Anyway, so how did I get onto that? Yeah, so I need another thing. I've only ever had kickboxing. And I'm thinking I must have I must have had other shit. Can't only have been that, because that's depressing if you've never had a hobby, apart from one that lasted three years and you got bored. Well, I didn't get bored, I loved it. I just thought, well, where's this going? So that is that is deeply concerning because I'm genuinely can't think of any other hobby just for the sake of it being a hobby I've ever had. And I 
think there is enormous merit in what Joe Rogan said about whatever you do and love for a living, have something else. So I'm now thinking about my hobbies. And I, I don't know, do, do humans now have less hobbies than we once did? What are your hobbies? Is listening to podcasts a hobby? Because I love doing that at the minute. But I, for me, a hobby has to be active. Otherwise, you're just doing a thing. <laughs> if you're not in some way actively doing something other than opening your ears, it's not a hobby. You're doing a thing. I don't think listening to podcasts... All right, let me put it to you a different way. Because there's probably some of you thinking, oh, no, I'm not having that. Screw you. Pod- listen to podcasts. It's a hobby. It's not, though, is it? Because you wouldn't call watching Netflix a hobby. And it's exactly the same thing, just different. You're, you're simply activating different senses. One is the eyes. One is the ears. All right. Now, you concede Netflix isn't a hobby. So screw you if you think podcasts are a hobby. So... I don't know. I don't know if I have a hobby and that's deeply concerned. I suppose technically the filmmaking and all of that is, but as I said, that doesn't count because I want it to become a thing. I want a hobby that I don't want to do. I don't want to, man, I don't want to, I don't want to make it anything else other than just a way to distract myself in a pleasing manner, which is what kickboxing was. So I need a hobby. Any recommendations of what would be a compatible hobby for me? Cause I think I need one. What's your hobby? And is it a proper hobby or is it a thing? <laughs> I'm not interested in you sending me your things, all right? Don't send me your things. I'm not interested. I want a legitimate hobby that you do that requires some degree of activity and exertion. Ex- exertion? Exertion? Exertion. I don't know if it has to have exertion, actually. Like pottery, that's a hobby. But it's not, you're not expending energy doing it necessarily. Unless you're on the set of Ghost, then you are because you're shagging after the pottery. Great film. Why do I always take it? Why does it always... How did I just manage to go from pottery to shagging? That's well, if you've watched Ghost, it's a fair, it's a fair leap, to be fair. But yeah. Why was I just thinking about Ghost? Uh, uh, Anyway, Ghost. Yeah. Oh my God, this podcast is a mess. Right, okay, anyway, let me know what your hobbies are, please. And you are welcome to suggest some for me. Uh, that, that was such a long opening, but it wasn't intentional. I also have, later on in this episode, by the way, I have what I think is possibly the most exquisite, accurate, and for me, well-observed definition of why I have become obsessed with podcasts recently, not making them, listening to them. We've discussed this in previous episodes. I'm genuinely fascinated by why I find a podcast I love and I just... I'm obsessed. I'm hooked, and I and I find comfort in spending time with that human. And I and I and I don't know why that is because it doesn't apply to any other f- medium I'm aware of, and it never has. But there's just something deeply personal about a podcast that I just, I'm all over, and I've never been able to articulate why. But I was listening to a new one this week, which I can't recommend enough that I'm going to share with you in a bit. And the guest had the most exquisite definition, which was actually. It was actually peppered with a little bit of science as well. And I like a little bit of science because it makes it more believable. All right. So I'm going to share that with you in a bit. But I want to talk to you about this week where I have essentially felt like 
Okay, let me give you let, let me let, let me take a step back, right? In my throughout my entire life, I I've I've never necessarily felt that I think the same as most people, feel the same about things as most people. I don't really get annoyed about the same things as most people. Case in point, I think I've referenced this before, but it's the best way I can explain it and it's the and it's the quickest way for people to get where I stand on emotion. Like in the past, hot girlfriend in a in a nightclub with her, dudes hitting on her, I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm not only am I fine with it, I, I 100% embrace it. Like I've said it to you before, like, look, when we first met, I thought you were fit. I tried it on. Why the hell shouldn't he? I just don't get the whole jealousy, angry, swinging your balls around, showing what a man you are. I've, it's just not me. And that's got me in trouble in the past because apparently they want me to get angry and they want me to protect them. But it's like, well, why? You're an adult, you know? So that I use that example all the time just to explain that I don't, the things that annoy most people just don't really even come close to me. So all that considered this week was just, it was an onslaught of me feeling differently about stuff to just the average human. It was like, Jesus Christ, just what is just Give me something that you like that I like as well, because, you know, I'm beginning to wonder whether I am subhuman now <laughs> because this is just odd. So I'm just going to list a few things that have happened this week that have made me think, oh, again, I must be the only person feeling like, uh, wh wh why, why can't I just, why can't I just feel like you for a day, for an hour, for, for an hour, actually, why can't I just feel like, and I use the word you, the general populace. So the first thing that happened, I tweeted on Saturday because I've got Netflix now. I don't, I'm not usually bothered. I'm just giving it a month's trial. So I watched A Quiet Place. I don't know why. I think it was just there. And I've always, I've only ever heard exceptional reviews about that film. All right. So I thought, yeah, I'll give Quiet Place a peekaboo. And it's a 90 minute thriller stroke, light horror. And I would argue that for 88 minutes, I was deeply bored. Deeply, deeply bored. And I actually went online and I, I went onto Twitter and I reviewed it. My review was thus. I reviewed it thus. Okay. Inventive concept, great sound design and solid performances. All that said, my boredom was present for 80 of the 90 minutes. While my concern for the character's well-being was mostly absent. Staggeringly underwhelmed. Shame. Two out of ten. To which one guy replied, this one guy replied with a gif, and the gif had a man, who I don't know who he is, had a man saying the word heresy. Now, I don't know if you know what heresy means, but I certainly don't, so I jumped straight onto Google. And to be fair, I actually quite like the fact this guy sent me this gif, because I like words. I've told you that I sometimes, you know, I've told you I document new words and write them down. So let me tell you what heresy means. This is the <laughs> this is the online definition of heresy. Heresy is any belief or theory that is strongly at variance with established beliefs or customs. In particular, the accepted beliefs of a church or religious organization. So that made a lot of sense to me because as I said, I went into this film knowing that everybody loves it, so I'm going to be in for a treat. It was dog shit. It was rotting dog shit and i just felt nothing for the characters you know no sense of concern for their for their welfare it's not like i wanted them to die i just didn't care whether they did or they didn't 
Um, I was just, I was just remarkably underwhelmed. So that's the first thing that happened this week. And then I even, I'll tell you what was even more surprising is that I put it on Facebook and my sister was like, oh no, I love this film, eight out of 10. And we normally agree on, I think I've mentioned this before, like my sister usually is immense. Some of the best films I've ever watched, I have her to thank for. The, the one that really sticks in my mind is probably Shawshank Redemption. When I was a kid, she was on at me forever to watch that. And when I got around to it, I was like, nice one, sis. Also, she introduced me to A Few Good Men, Another Banger, A Bronx Tale. She's she's just got an immense strike rate with films. But on this one, we completely disagree. Anyway, not, not important. So A Quiet Place was the first incident where I felt like an outsider this week. Then the next morning, by complete fluke, when I went onto Twitter, I saw this guy tweet this, and this is something that you can get involved with, and then we can discuss this next week. This guy tweeted this, right? And he made it sound so enticing that I had to go and have a peekaboo. This is what he tweeted. Hang on a minute, I'm trying to find his tweet now, but I've... Oh, shit, where's it gone? Where's this clown's tweet? Oh... Well, that's, that's embarrassing. Hang on a minute. Okay, so this guy tweeted, I think this is a brilliant short film and that's why I'm passing it on. So the guy that tweeted this is a guy called Harry who's an independent filmmaker like me. I find a lot of his videos quite funny and well done. So I thought, okay, well, this is, this is probably going to be good. I'm going to be in for a treat. It's a short film. I'm lying in bed. I'll give it a look. It's only 15 minutes. The film is called An Everyday Act and it's a British short film supported by the BFI, British Film Institute. And it tells the story of a kid and his a young he's probably about 15 his young baby sister and his single mum who is working all the hours to maintain a, a roof above their head and he's doing most of the childcare for his baby sister so in order to support his mother and bring money into the house to avoid them all starving to death he takes a path which is ultimately the path that generates the supposed intrigue and sympathy in the film so as i said it's a 15 minute film i don't want to give you too much because i don't want to ruin your uh, in inverted commas enjoyment of the film now bearing in mind once again this film was part or entirely funded by the bfi so to have the backing of the bfi is quite an achievement you have to be have something about you to uh, write a film and get it funded by them so i was expecting a lot but i watched this film and i thought what the fuck is that and why is harry tweeted telling me that it's brilliant (laughs) it was oh I don't want to talk too much about this. I genuinely want you to watch it and it's free to watch online. So you can, and then you can tweet me because I don't know whether I feel like I should have felt something for this film, given the subject matter, given the fact it was about a young kid, his sister and his mum, and given the fact that they were up against it, they were vulnerable. They were struggling. I feel as though I should have felt something, but I felt nothing but genuine, genuine fury at how shit it was. I felt like I'd wasted my time. It didn't tell me anything new. It didn't give me any new perspective. I don't know what it was trying to accomplish. I don't, I don't know whether it was trying to open my eyes to something, but the subject in the film, my eyes are already open to. Granted, it might not be for me. It might be for younger humans. I don't know. But I just don't know what it was trying to accomplish. And I'm begging you with all my heart to go and check the film out so that we can discuss it. It's called An Everyday Act. If you just type in An Everyday Act short film, BFI, you will find it. It'll be the first thing on Google. 
I think it's 15 minutes, so it's not going to occupy much of your time. An everyday act, BFI, short film, free, watch it, come say something to me online, whether it's, CK, you're wrong, that's immense, or what is this dog shit? <laughs> Don't ever send me a film like that again. Just watch it, please, because that was the second thing that made me think, hang on a minute, what's going on here? Because that film got some degree of fanfare when it was released, but I just don't know. I just don't, I just don't get it. And then, moving forward, I also... What have I written here? An everyday act? Oh, yeah. Christ. I can't ever read my own writing. It offends me that much. And then, let me share with you a tweet that I sent about two hours ago. I sent a tweet about two hours ago, right? And it was an excerpt from a book called An Artist's Journey, because I'm writing my own book now, and I mentioned this two episodes ago. I think it was episode 37. I referenced the fact I'm writing a book, so please feel free to go and check that one out. So I've been really fascinated by nonfiction books, the format, how they're written, the duration, the number of pages, the size of the book, just to get my shit together so that I'm not panicking when it comes to releasing it. I want to get all, I want to figure it all out. So I just stumbled across a book called The Artist's Journey. I started reading a first par- first few chapters, well, you know, first few pages, should I say. And there was one bit that really stuck out. And as an artist, you will love this because I loved it. And I tweeted this passage saying, what do you guys find most relatable about this? Because I am I relate to so much of it. And something someone replied pissed me off. But let me read the passage first. Few people on the outside will understand the precarious nature of the artistic life. They will see only the accolades and accomplishments, the apparent freedom and its finished products of your efforts. They will not understand that the person who creates something from the intimacy of their own imagination and places it before others as a gift of the secrets of the creative spirit stands in the precipice of failure and rejection or worse yet mediocrity at every moment that by creating a work of art a performance a painting a piece of writing or anything else you have metaphorically speaking brought a child into the world and the rejecting of a child of your creative hearts of sorry and rejecting a child of your creation hurts you with the pain of a parent watching their child be ignored demeaned and seem and seen as unworthy there are things that you will come to know if you devote yourself to a life in the arts it's not a life for everyone but if you have the courage to choose it you will have embarked upon one of life's great adventures you will have joined the tribe of the dreamers the keepers of the stories the shapers of visions and caretakers of the imagination you will have chosen to set your sights on the stars i've got to admit that is beautifully written that is exquisitely written although somewhat butchered by my rendition but let's just let's overlook that exquisitely written and beautifully on point and i was like christ and it it spoke to me as well because the majority of my well not the majority but a huge underpinning of my book is about how us artists need to feel more comfortable pushing our art out there right that's that that forms a huge it's, it's, it's a huge element of my book. So that really spoke to me. So I, I, I tweeted it and I was asking my fellow creatives to pick a section and let me know which bit spoke to them. So my boy, <laughs> my boy replied, 
right? And I'm not sure I agree with his point. So Jake runs an online movie website and he has been obscenely supportive of my projects over the over the years, featured it on his website and done interviews with me and all that good shit. But I'm afraid I can't agree. I can't agree with um, Big Lad's point. So let me read what Jake said, or at least I would. Why is my phone not working? This is really weird. Um, right. Okay. Right. I, I knew that this, this podcast has been a disaster from start to finish, so this will surprise no one. Let me pause this and come back. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Now... For reasons I don't understand, I don't know whether I've been hacked or whether Twitter is down, but can you let me know, if? because a lot of you are use Twitter, so it is now Thursday, obviously the 15th of October, it's two minutes past 11 at night, did your Twitter go down around this time? Two minutes past 11, Thursday night, the 15th of October, because I'm on my MacBook and it's not letting me in. I'm on my phone. It's not letting me in. There's no. I can't even see my feeds, my tweets, my mentions, or the the feed full stop. I can't see anything. It's just nothing. And actually, it's weirdly soothing. So I've never seen Twitter look this empty. So I should take a picture of this for you. Actually, let me take a picture. <laughs> in fact, no. I'm like, who gives a shit about my blank screen? Never mind. Jesus Christ! This 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 podcast has taken a very very depressing turn for the worst. I'm gonna take a picture of a blank screen because you want to see it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Twitter. Um, yeah, so I can't even see what Jake said, but I can kind of remember what he said. So everything I'm going to share from from now on is me summarising what he said. So the bit that Jake related to that I don't agree, he said, I relate to the bit where they say people only see the accolades and accomplishments, the apparent freedom and the finished products of our efforts. Then Jake said, I'm always stunned how many people don't take into account or appreciate the amount of time, effort, blood and sweat that goes into my projects. Then I replied saying, Jake, I understand your frustration. Personally, I don't concern myself with whether people recognize the blood, sweat, tears I've put into my projects. Why? Because it's not their job. As far as I'm concerned, their job is to watch, feel and move on. Then I finished with saying, as far as I'm concerned, Concerning themselves over the effort I've put into something is a vanity metric for which I have no use. Now, <laughs> I sent that to Jake and he probably wasn't expecting it because I would argue that most artists, in fact, 90 to 95% of artists will agree with Jake. And I don't necessarily think they're wrong to do so, but I do think artists often want their toil and sweat to be admired. Well, not admired, but to be appreciated and recognised is probably the better way for me to put it. They do want it to be recognised, but I'm like, I don't, why should they give two fucks? I think that's a very insular approach just like well i'm in the trenches as the artist as the creator and i want them to be in this trench and appreciate it with me i don't don't even want to be in this fucking trench so i don't see why i should (laughs) i really don't want to be in it so i have no interest in anybody joining me just to make me feel better about it watch the thing enjoy it and then piss off Uh, but i get that that is a very niche i would say not only niche almost rare i would say that's a rare rare perspective for an artist to to have to not want people to acknowledge the 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 time i've spent in the trenches but i just i really don't 
just watch the thing, have a blast, then go make some tea or shag or whatever. I don't want you to heed or give two fucks about the effort I've put into this. But I don't know if I'm being disingenuous saying that. Maybe I'm fooling myself. Do I really? I don't know. It was my instant response when he sent that. I was like, I don't know, mate. I don't give a shit. And I see that quite a lot as well. Not only, and it's not only art either. I think I've touched on this before. Do you remember that episode I was talking about? Why do individuals always compare what they do? I think I was talking about stand-up and how stand-ups always say they have the hardest job in the world. Screw you, you don't, okay? People that people that clean up corpses have a hard job, right? And it's so common in stand-up. I have the hardest job in the world. I am... <laughs> Really? Yes, that's the episode I was talking about that. And in fact, I think I can actually remember the episode number that because I really enjoyed that episode. And I think you should go and have a peekaboo, to be honest. But yeah, I was talking I was talking about it in that episode, and this is a close relative to what I was talking about in that. Which episode was it I was talking about that? Was it bad mood all day? Hmm. Stand-ups think that I'm definitely going to find it because I want you to go and listen to that episode because it brought me joy. I was talking about. I know I've put something about it on. Hardest job in the world. Artists, artists. Okay, so episode thirty-five. Episode thirty-five, which was called an apology. I mentioned in that episode how stand-ups are win. Well, they're not whingers, but they are somewhat entitled and want everybody to think they have a hard job when they don't they're just standing in a room and saying things and i think this is a close relative in what jake's saying a very very distant relative actually and i love jake like massive massive love for the guy and i don't even know if he listens to this whatever i don't know what 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 do you think do you as an artist hand on heart as an artist do you want people to acknowledge recognize and appreciate the time you spent in the trenches or do you want them to just appreciate the shit that came out of the trenches and not give two shits about the time you spent in the trenches (laughs) did that make any sense genuine question and this is one of those i really want an answer to so send me a message on facebook instagram twitter as an artist do you want consumers of your art to acknowledge the blood and sweat or do you just want them to enjoy the art itself fascinated to hear thoughts as you know i don't give two shits about my sweat being recognized because i didn't enjoy it so why should you that's that's just how i feel so that was that that was another reason that i felt like an outsider because here is here is an artist that i like respect and enjoy hanging out with we have similar I don't know we have maybe 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 you have some some ambitions in terms of our filmmaking and our writing and our arts being our long term or at least being being our way of sustaining our living in the future that's what we both want yet I could not disagree with him more now when you combine that with the fact I think a quiet place is a load of dog shit I think that short film was a load of dog shit it's just one of those weeks where I'm just feeling like an outsider there were more as well but i don't want to bore you with them in fact i'm going to bore you with one more i'm going to bore you with one more something someone tweeted me today right now it's not what this guy tweeted me it's what it says that got me thinking i tweeted this morning a link to episode 38 which was called 
scumbag men. Episode 38 was called Scumbag Men. That's what I'm talking about. Men who don't take sexual rejection very well. And that episode was called Scumbag Men. So someone saw that post and he said, fucking hell, CK, could you be more vociferous? Ha ha ha. Now, I'm not going to lie. I had to look up the word vociferous. This has been a good week for me in words. I, I'm, it's been a great week. I've learned some bangers. Vociferous. Expressing or characterised by vermin opinions, loud and forceful. And I, re- I reply to him saying, well, you know, well, I, think there's, I think there's too many people pitter-patting around things nowadays and I'm just not interested and I just want to say things as I feel them. But that got me thinking, and this is probably going to surprise you, but I'm going to surprise you anyway because I like to share some... I like to share some emotional truths from time to time. Last week's episode, I'm not sure how I feel about it. And of all the 38 episodes I've released so far, I would say that is one which has been playing on my thought a lot. It's been playing on my mind a lot. And I've been thinking, what? why did you end the episode by talking about your cock? Like, <laughs> I genuinely thought to myself, why did you end episode 38 talking about your cock? And why were you talking about your, you, why were you talking about your expandable cock as well? Like in the final quarter of it, like what, what were you doing? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm laughing now, but these are genuine thoughts. And when I was having these thoughts this week, I wasn't laughing when I was thinking about it. I was thinking, oh, I couldn't find the genuine answer. Like, why are you talking about your cock? It's weird. No one else is talking about their cock on a podcast. So then I started thinking also, you do have a bit of a potty mouth as well, like, like you're relatively articulate not in episode 39 granted that's been a bag of shit but usually you're quite articulate so why is you why is your podcast so sweary I, so i just I, do you know why i was th- i've just had like a massive crisis of confidence this week it's weird as shit and i'm saying it now and i'm like oh god turn it in but it is what it is all right you know sometimes i have these episodes which are essentially filler i might start putting brackets at the end of episodes like this filler so that at least you know because i do think some of you get excited about this podcast when it's released and i can tell that by the numbers like the first day numbers that i release this podcast are increasing every week and for that i'm enormously grateful thank you sincerely for turning up and giving a shit and hitting play like the minute you wake i think some of you do it the minute you wake up i can tell by the stats I don't know the I don't know I don't know that you're listening. So if you're listening to the thing, hang on, can he see me in my bedroom? <laughs> no. I don't know who is listening. I just know that within an hour of me releasing it, I can see how many people have listened, for example. And as I said, as the weeks pass, that number is increasing. So I do think that some of you probably have this podcast to it's probably in your saved or favourites list. And I can't tell you genuinely how grateful for that i am it's a joy to see that every morning every friday morning just to see those numbers creeping up so thank you loads if you are one of those people that has this saved in your like favorites can you just well actually don't bother telling me that's that's weird forget it but what why was i talking about this yes so i'm thinking like is this like this podcast too i don't know now the only the only reason i was able to have this very introspective dialogue with myself and come out of it not feeling like a total loser is I was like well to be honest with you the reason you're talking about your cock at the end of episode 38 is because it's just the first thing that came to your mind it's not like you sat down before that episode and started drawing a picture of your cock you know you wouldn't need a big you wouldn't need a big page to be honest 
it's it's not like I was thinking. Oh, I think I'll talk about my penis here. Like, let's don't do that because I don't plan this. I have a rough outline of what I'm going to talk about, but what I'm going to say is up for grabs and is anybody's guess. So that's just the first thing that came into my head, and I find that comforting. And I do think that I do think that is some kind of mitigation. I do think the fact it's not premeditated, like mitigates me talking about my willy because it's just you know off the cuff just comes out so to speak (laughs) do you think that's mitigation do you think there's a difference between me just randomly for no reason talking about my cock rather compared to me thinking right i'm going to talk about my cock there (laughs) (laughs) the irony of the fact that i'm talking about it now despite the fact i've hated myself all week it's staggering Truly staggering, but yeah, you know, when when that guy, Matt, sent me that tweet saying the title of your podcast is Vociferous, it just got me thinking, well, that's not the only thing that's vociferous about it, to be honest with you, mate. I don't know if you've listened to it, but that is the cock episode. And then I started thinking, but why was it the cock episode? And also, why do you... You know I'm a massive thinker, guys, so let's just let's just leave it there. All right, let's just leave it there. All right, listen, I was going to talk about Claudia Winkleman's book this week, but I've decided I'm not going to because this podcast is going on far too long. I'll probably talk to you about Claudia Winkleman's book next week. I do have... I'm also going to cut that bit out as well. I'm just, I'm just editing this podcast randomly because it's just been a total shitstorm this week. So. <laughs> want to end it as quick as possible and go to bed i'm gonna probably leave you now with in fact right what i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do i'm gonna wrap this up i'm gonna leave you with something i recorded earlier on today in costa coffee but before i do that i'm gonna play you this clip from a new podcast that i'm loving it's called how to wow by chris evans and he's talking to some very interesting people and i'm a massive fan and it's i can't even it's just wonderful makes me very happy and it's beautifully philosophical but in a really relatable everyday easy to digest way and he's talking about things like the episode i'm going to play for you now he's talking to a uk playwriter and tv writer called lucy preble and they're talking about so many really interesting things like the fakeness of social media habits optimism versus pessimism the agenda of the media i don't know if that sounds interesting to you but it's like one and a half hour talk and it's super accessible it's fun because lucy's like really successful she's just written a series for sky she's written series for all kinds of shit but she says i'm just i'm lazy chris like what i love about being a writer is i can get up at four o'clock in the afternoon if i want to and people will be stunned to hear that i'm lazy but i really am and I kind of relate to that, to be honest, but you never hear these big hits saying that kind of shit. So I was strong. I can't recommend it enough. Also, he's also interviewed the likes of Rod Stewart, Kat Dealey. I listened to the Kat Dealey episode two days ago. She's, I don't know if you remember Kat Dealey. She was a UK TV presenter. She's huge in the States now. She's been presenting, dancing. What is she, so you think you can dance for the last 13 years? Like she's, coining in the cash is Kat Dealey but she's recently moved back to the UK so he's interviewing her talking about her ascent when she used to present SMTV for my non-UK listeners SMTV was a kids show on the weekend and anyway 
Check it out. Check out this podcast. It's brilliant. I want to play this clip from Lucy when she's talking about why podcasts are so relatable and you kind of fall in love with the podcast and sometimes with the podcaster. And it made a lot of sense to me. And I don't know if you can relate. Let me play this clip. It's like, um, there's a feeling now that they're a little bit like my friends, which I think is really worrying. That the voices, you become very, very used to certain voices and company. And I think I read somewhere once that if you watch a television programme into its like third season, the characters start to elicit the same neurochemicals in your brain as when you go and see your friends. And I've started to think, oh my God, this is what's happening a little bit with some of these podcasts that I feel immediately comforted and soothed when I put them on, which is great. But I just, I just can't let it become a replacement for ringing my friends. (laughs) I don't know you. That was, that was unquestionably the most exquisite explanation of why I fall in love with podcasts that I've ever heard. Bar none. And it was like, it made so much sense. Because until I heard that, it was like, I don't know, maybe it's because maybe because podcasts allow me to ignite my imagination and imagine the house that they're in, the room that they're in, the clothes that they're wearing. And, hey, I can use my money. But then when she said it activates parts of the brain that you feel when you see a mate because you get comfortable with their voice and it makes you happy once they start piping up. It just made perfect sense because I agree with all of those points. My favorite podcast. That's exactly how I feel when I put on a Bill Burr podcast or the Nikki Glazer podcast, which, as you know, I was obsessed with until she decided, right, that's it. Podcast closed. I never told her this, but she finished a podcast two weeks ago because she's doing a new TV show and blah, 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 blah. There, yeah. Anyway, so that, yeah, I love that. And that is the kind of stuff that Lucy and Chris were talking about. And I cannot recommend that podcast enough. Both episodes I've listened to, Lucy and Kat Dealey, glorious. Chris is, like, I'm not a massive Chris Evans fan. I don't dislike him. I'm just rather ambivalent, but he's great in this. He's a brilliant host because he, he just doesn't talk and he lets them do all the talking. So I can't recommend that podcast enough. Once again, it's called How to Wow. Right, guys, look, I'm going to now leave you with something I recorded earlier on this afternoon in Costa Coffee because I had an, uh, I had a little update and I wanted to share it specifically with you guys because, as I said a moment ago, I appreciate the fact that you're hanging out with me every single week. And as far as the fact I'm writing a book, I just want to bring you on this journey and I want you as podcast listeners to have some little treats. So I recorded this as I was writing in Costa Coffee this afternoon, I get a little bit ranty towards the end, but there you go. Why not? Um, by the time I left Costa, by the time I started this little, this little bit of audio, I'd written like 9,100 words. By the time I left, I'd written 10,000 words. So I'm now officially halfway because I know exactly the size, design and structure and weight of book I'm going for. And I'm going to be modeling my book on a very, very successful series of nonfiction books that are already in existence. And in fact, I would happily let them publish me, but I doubt that I'm going to go down that route but I'm modeling my book on their books they're very successful they're great they look fantastic and there I did ring I did actually get in contact with the editor to ask her what's the average word count because I'm basically modeling my book on yours and she, in her defense she was great because she said yeah they're usually 20,000 words CK 100 plus pages usually like 110 pages 20,000 words and that's what I thought it was as well so that was great so I'm now halfway done with my book and this is me in Costa Coffee earlier on today massive thanks for hanging out with me on this podcast I'm super grateful I don't know how this week has been so say hi on social media let's chat about stuff let me know what hobbies you have what hobbies I should have also do you think 
as an artist, do you want consumers of your art to be mindful of the effort, the blood, the sweat and tears you've put into it? Or are you like me? No, just enjoy the art and go about your day. They're your two bits of homework for this week. I'm going to leave you with my recording from Costa. It's like 11, 12 minutes, gets a little bit ranty. And if you've not signed up to my mailing list on my website so that you don't miss book news, please do so. And again, I appreciate you subscribing to this podcast. If you've not subscribed to it yet, do that and tell a mate. Let's hang out next week. See you in a bit. Okay, so here's a little podcast exclusive. I am currently sitting in a Costa Coffee in Broomhill, Sheffield. I am acutely aware that not everybody listening to this podcast is UK-based or indeed Sheffield-based, so... I would argue that me opening this by saying I'm in a coffee shop in Broomhill is probably only put a smile on the faces of 3% of my listeners. So 97% of you can eat shit, apparently. But not necessarily. Maybe I'll give you a description of what I see to make it more relatable. So it is reasonably sunny on the top floor of this Costa. In front of me are two young students. I've got the impression they're students. They've been talking about their course. And one of them's a redhead, which is annoying me because I like her anyway. And someone behind me is on her phone. It's, I would say the top floor of this coffee shop is somewhere between 35 and 40% capacity amid these COVID-19 times. It is almost two o'clock in the afternoon of Thursday, the 15th of October, and I'm here writing. I don't know, This I think this is the first time I've come into a coffee shop since I started writing. No, is it? I think this is the first time I've been into a coffee shop. I was listening to John Grisham this morning, but I might have already referenced that in the podcast. I don't know. So, I... Um, Endeavouring to write more. I'm, I'm, how many words have I written of this damn thing now? I've written, according to my word count, 9,383 words. And 20,000. 20,000 is my target. So, <laughs> I'm fast approaching the halfway point. I've just finished my pot of tea. Which was remarkably cheap. I was going to actually, the receipt, the receipt says £2.25 minus 25% staff discount. I don't know why she's giving me a staff discount. So £1.69 for a pot of tea. Very impressive. I will probably thank her and ask her why that staff discount. I don't know whether it's a COVID thing. Probably is. What do I have to tell you about this week's writing? Um... Well, I guess I've written like three, just over 3,000 words this week. And I was, it's been, I don't know, I don't know. I think I'm slowly figuring out what this book is as I go along. Um, I want it to be brutally honest. I want it to share some interesting, some interesting wisdoms and some unique 
ways in which I have got my projects and the projects of other artists into the news. Some surprising and shocking ones, I hope. There's a little anecdote in here about John Travolta and how <laughs> how an awful week for him, a truly terrible week for him on social media, inspired me to develop a project for an artist which subsequently went viral. So I'm wanting the book to be full of those little surprising anecdotes that you wouldn't necessarily expect, like how the hell does a Hollywood actor fucking up help me conceive of an idea for another artist which subsequently got in the newspapers and magazines, went viral and landed him a retail contract where he's now selling work for just under a £1,000 a time. So... There's a lot to be gleaned from what I learned from John Travolta, <laughs> basically. And I look forward to sharing said. You see, what I love about that John Travolta anecdote is that the publicist in me, the PR guy in me, knows that I can use that to... I can use that anecdote to engage people and, and capture people's hearts, minds and attention and you know I can almost lead with saying how John Travolta this book explains how John Travolta's fuck up helped an artist hundreds of thousands of miles away go viral and land a retail contract you see to me I'd find that really I'd find that really tantalising like how the hell did John Travolta's fuck up help an independent unknown artist hundreds of thousands of miles away this is how my mind works, you see, and this is pretty much what I'm talking about in the book. Like, my mind works in a very creative, abstract, elaborate way, and I'm always thinking, okay, well, there's no point in just writing a book and releasing it. You've got to write a book, and you've got to market the book, and you've got to capture people's attention. Now, I don't know if that sounds... I don't know if that sounds unsavoury or dirty or manipulative. I don't think it's any of the above. I think it's just me as an artist, as an independent creator, just getting out of my own way and utilising what I have in the same way celebrities utilise what they have. You know, there's another anecdote in this when I'm talking about Miley Cyrus and how when she released a new single, her first single in 12 months, she didn't just release a single and say, listen to my single. She played the game. She got attention for that single by playing the most tried and true game in the world and that is what this book's all about this book is all about how we as independent artists should be more comfortable playing the game so for me to be sitting here saying I can leverage that John Travolta anecdote to market the book to secure interviews for the book features for the book reviews for the book sales for the book like if that's what I have to do if that's what we have to do if that's what artists have to do like, why should we not start playing the game and that's what this book is all about so I've got off a bit of a rant but I don't know I guess the more I write this book the more I'm realising what it is and I want it to be something that almost empowers us as indie artists and gives us permission to play the game because we're, the, we're, unit, we're generally the shittest at playing the games like indie artists, talented artists are often painfully, woefully shit at playing the game and I want this book to be a way of not only giving us permission but making us feel comfortable and inspiring us to figure oh that's how they play the game so that's how I can play the game all I have to do is find that and attach it to my project for my project to develop traction yep 
that's literally all you have to do and I want this book to be I keep repeating myself I want this book to be a way of giving you permission to feel comfortable and I mentioned this book how I even talk about this book how I got uh, an interview in the Metro now again for my non-UK listeners the Metro is I think it's the most circulated newspaper in the UK it's a free newspaper on trains, buses and it's the largest circulating newspaper in the UK and when I released 61 Hugs my award winning short film I figured out a way of writing a feature for them which wasn't about the film but I could crowbar my film into it by talking about something that I knew wasn't necessarily something that I wanted to talk about but would serve my objectives and serve my end and serve my agenda because you know what do you admit that the media do you admit that the media has its own agenda and for the most part I won't say manipulates us but toys with us toys with our emotions toys with our information toys with what we know just to serve their own agenda would you agree that the majority of media outlets do that whether it's a magazine whether it's a newspaper whether it's tv i assume you've answered that question yes well as an independent artist why shouldn't i use them for my ends that's my question to you that's my last question to you and i want you to think about that why shouldn't i why shouldn't you why shouldn't we use the media for our own ends because everybody else is so why shouldn't we so I talk in this book also about the day that I used the media to peddle my film and I don't know how many people openly talk about this but I would argue not many and if I'm going to be one of the few then I'm alright with that because <laughs> I guarantee one independent artist is going to read this and think oh oh that's oh right okay I've never thought of it that way and they'll toddle off use the media and secure secure coverage secure attention for their project and that's all I want that's all I want I just want one alright maybe more than one but I want it to inspire humans to feel comfortable not only self-promoting but feel comfortable playing the game because I've spent many years not feeling comfortable and I'm still on that journey to feel ultimate comfort I don't feel ultimate comfort I still feel a little bit icky but I don't care anyway listen that's what the book's about it is now five minutes to two I'm still in Costa I still have a frustratingly empty pot of tea and I enjoy doing these little podcast exclusives where pretty much only you humans that are listening to my podcast get this so anyway back to me